Hey, bookworms. Welcome to the Picky Bookworm Podcast. I am so glad you are here. I am the Picky Bookworm, and I love bringing recognition to indie and self-published books through book reviews, proofreading, and podcasting. Every Saturday, I get to talk to a member of the writing community, from book bloggers to authors and even other podcasters like myself. I'll include a link to my website where you can leave a comment with your thoughts on the show or questions for the author that I may not have gotten to. You can also find information on how to sponsor this podcast. Ready? Grab your tea, wine, or laundry, and let's get to it. Welcome back to the Picky Bookworm Podcast. I am Pamela, your host, and I am here with Dot. Uh, you might know her on Twitter as Noellophile. Um, she, in her Twitter bio, it actually states that she loves Christmas more than anything else. So I am, Christmas is one of my favorite holidays as well. So we might just have a Yuletide and Spring chat. Um, all of the things that we love about Christmas just in the middle of March, totally fine. But we are also going to have some wonderful book chats. Dot is a fellow book blogger, I do believe. Um, if not, we will get talking about uh, what she blogs about. And uh, we're also going to talk about a couple of podcasts that Dot is involved in. So it's going to be chock full of super fun stuff today. I'm super excited to get into everything. And um, so let's get started. Grab your tea, grab your wine, grab your laundry, Caroline, and we're going to jump into it. Dot, hello. Hi, Pamela. Nice to talk to you. It is nice to talk to you too. I am I'm super bummed that we we had to record on Skype because for some reason Zencaster was just not working um that like it should. And um for some reason Skype is not showing our faces, which is really strange. I am not sure why it's acting that way. But we are still going to have a super fun chat. Um, I just won't be able, you just won't be able to see when I have all kinds of hand gestures because I talk with my hands. So, um, but we're going to have fun. And I, I am super excited that you're here. I am super excited to get to talk with you about books and blogging and all sorts of things. So um, before we get into all of that, Real quick, uh, tell everybody just kind of who you are, uh, what you do in the book community, and, you know, just kind of what inspires you. Well, my name is Dot Cannon. I'm primarily a radio person. I really can't represent myself as an author, although I talk to a lot of them. I own a small media company in Southern California called Two Mavericks Multimedia, and I produce two podcasts, one of which is Noellophile. I am also a total book nerd. I love cats. I adore Christmas, as you've mentioned. And another love of my life is creativity, innovation at the intersection of art and science. And that's what I cover in my other podcast. Oh, that's fantastic. I, uh, I love meeting creative people. And I think that is 
a lot of the reason why the picky bookworm has grown into what it is. Um, when I first started, um, I believe four four years ago, I believe my my first blog post was uh, published on Free WordPress in May of 2019. So it's been quite a while. It's been quite a journey. And I, I think that a lot of the reason why it has grown into what it has is because every time I meet another creative person, I'm like, oh, my people, I, I found you. And being able to have this podcast and being able to introduce other creative people to the world is it's so much fun for me. So uh, the fact that you love creativity probably as much as I do, um, that this is going to be a fun chat. I, I can tell right now. <laughs> it's going to be a blast. We will have a blast. Absolutely. So what um, you mentioned that you are a huge book nerd, um, which, you know, duh, um, I, <laughs> I don't follow, <laughs> sorry, I don't follow many people on Twitter that aren't. So um, just, just the fact that I know you uh, means you probably love books. Um, but what what are your favorite genres and what are your favorite types of uh, books to read? Um, and, you know, just we'll we'll start there. Well, favorite genre fiction, favorite books to read anything by Fanny Flagg, Maeve Binchy, Chitra Diva Karuni. I'm sure that I'm forgetting, but basically books by women writers who understand what the world is like for women. I also really love anything by Barb and Ellie Lieberman. I believe that you're familiar with them as independent authors. They always come up with something amazing. And of course, anything that has to do with Christmas. And I like more traditional Christmas stories. I've reviewed a couple of romances on my website. That's fine. But I really like, for example, Dorothy Benton Frank has The Christmas Pearl. And if you can only read one Christmas book in your life, read it because it is amazing. It's metaphysical, fun funny. I would love to see more books like hers. Okay. Well, I have, as, as soon as you said you love Christmas stories, um, I, I tend to, when I read Christmas stories, I actually tend to um, move toward the non-traditional Christmas stories. Um, just, and I think that's a lot of the reason why I love indie and self-published books so much is because they are, they take the the typical tropes and just turn them upside down. And so um, when you mentioned that you love Christmas stories, uh, two books came to mind. Well, uh, technically three. Um but I don't know if you have seen them uh, floating around Twitter, uh, but the um, there are two anthologies. One is the Bells of Christmas 1, and the second is Bells of Christmas 2. And they are um, collections of short stories, Christmas-themed, and um, they released uh, around Christmas time, and... Um, 
all the profits, I believe, um, I I always get confused with profits versus proceeds, uh, but I do believe in this case it is profits. Um, all profits from the sales of those two books uh, go to St. Jude's Hospital. Um, oh yes, and that is, um, it's my husband's favorite charity. He absolutely loves them. And um, so when I had the uh, publisher, Jay Alton, um, I had him on the show a couple of years ago when Bells of Christmas 2 released. And um, he, it was so funny because he offered to send me a, um, a copy of the of Bells of Christmas 2. And I pretty much point blank told him uh, no. Um, and, you know, and I'm like, but here's why. I was like, I'm not telling you no because I don't want to read it. I am telling you no because I want to buy a copy. You know, St. Jude's Hospital is my husband's favorite charity. And knowing that the profits for the sales of these books go to that hospital, I would not feel right in accepting a free copy um, and not being able to support St. Jude's. So um, the, I, I highly recommend them. I have read um, Bells of Christmas 2. I re uh, reviewed it on my blog and um, I have not read Bells of Christmas 1 yet, um, but they are super, super sweet anthology stories, um, short stories. Um, and uh, so if you like Christmas, um, and Christmas stories, I definitely recommend those two uh, collections. Uh, the second or the third one is um, The Santa Claus Agreement uh, by Derek McFadden. Um, it just released this past Christmas um, and it's adorable. I don't want to tell too much about it, um, but it's it kind of is similar to uh, the Santa Claus, the movie with Tim Allen, in that um, Santa Claus is not just one person, um, but it's the the way that he tells the story and the way that he sets everything up is super cute. It's super adorable, and it's a very light read. So if you are ever in the mood for um, something non-traditional, um, but definitely Christmas related, I definitely recommend that one as well. You can't see me taking notes over here, but I just wrote that <laughs> down. How did I not know about these? I've got the Bells and Christmas and the Santa Claus Agreement written down. Are you familiar with the book Santa Claus is for Real? I am not. That came out several years ago. And it's actually a nonfiction book. You're going to hear some clicking here because I'm going to look it up and get you the author's name. Okay, so the Santa Claus is for real book. And for this real. Okay. by an actor. Here we are. This was written by. Actually, no, I just got a different title here. Is it Santa Claus is for real or Santa is for real? Santa Claus is, I guess, for real. And the reason this is such a great book is it was written by 
at the point in time, an actor who was pretty cynical about life, who played Santa Claus at Radio City Music Hall. And I apologize, I'm going absolutely blank on his name. Just a second, I will pull it up here. Santa Claus is for real. Charles Edward Haw. Check that one out and see what you think, because Charles Edward Haw has portrayed Santa Claus for 25 plus years at Radio City Music Hall. Okay. And what that means and how the magic of Christmas kind of happens for him, even though he's this jaded actor who really wanted to do something other than play Santa Claus, how that gradually gets to be the magic that captures his imagination. Okay, I might, yeah, I might have to check that one out. I like, I don't, I don't read much nonfiction really anymore. Um, but I do love finding the occasional one. Um, and usually when I find a nonfiction book, it's either self-help, um, personal development, or memoir. Um, I've read several memoirs. And um, I've loved them all. I read one um, a couple of years ago that did not get very high reviews uh, from other readers, which I thought was really strange. Um, but most of what they, the other reviewers that I read were complaining about was the, the writing style of the author. Um, she she tends to kind of jump around a little bit. Uh, she tends to kind of ramble a little bit, and it that didn't bother me like at all. And so you know I'm reading. I don't read reviews before I I read a book um, typically, um, but I was reading you know so I had read the the book already. And I'm going through and reading some of the reviews, and these are the things that they the reviewers were complaining about. And I'm like, I didn't notice any of that. So, okay, um, glad you guys can be so critical, <laughs> but you know, I mean, and and to each their own. I, you know, I, the only time that I have um, really just outright judged another reviewer was when they um, compared a book that I had read to um, The Hunger Games and um, misstated um, Prim Everdeen from The Hunger Games, uh, misstated the trope that she was a part of. And I'm like, okay, did you even read The Hunger Games? Because it, it kind of sounds like you didn't. And yet you're comparing it to this book that's actually amazing. So, you know, and the the other reviewer kind of got snotty back and, you know, totally fine, totally within their rights to do that. Because um, I got snarky first. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I would say probably 99% of the time, I, I don't judge other people's reading habits. I mean, that's not my place. You enjoy what you enjoy. I enjoy what I enjoy. And, you know, just because our 
respective reading habits don't happen to align with each other doesn't make either one of them any less valid. Um, so, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so, yeah. But, so, what are some... Actually, we're going to jump into just a little bit of uh, Christmas talk just because it's March and it's we are recording this on St. Patty's Day. So why the heck not? What's your favorite thing about Christmas? The way it feels on December 1st. My absolute favorite thing, the anticipation in the air, the fact that we have some time before Christmas gets here and we don't have to dash. I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to do the other where you can just kind of breath and enjoy the magic of the season. Okay. So do you, um, I have a feeling I know, probably know what your answer is going to be, but do you prefer giving gifts or receiving gifts? I really prefer giving because I love seeing people's face light up when I give gifts. I would have to admit that the pandemic has really curtailed this, getting together to see people and see how they respond. But I love to watch people at the gym. Yeah, I, I knew that was going to be your answer. Um, I, I'm the same way. Um, but I also, if I find a gift for somebody that I just know they're going to love, I, I either have to buy it really close to Christmas or I have to um, spend, you know, several weeks resisting the urge to tell them what it is. <laughs> I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what it is if you really want to know. And, and I mean, you can even have it three weeks early if you want it. Um, it it's sitting in my closet. I'm not doing anything with it. And I'm really excited about it. I know you're going to love it. Um, so do you, are you like me in that respect or are you the patient type who can, you know, Christmas shop in July and actually save presents for Christmas Day? I would never call myself the patient type. However, before the pandemic, I would Christmas shop year round because another love of my life is crafts. And I would go to craft fairs and see these incredible, one of a kind, handcrafted gifts people make. I understand that you make scented candles and I'd love to hear more about that. Okay. If you have the time for it. Yeah, absolutely. But I would see something go, oh, that looks just like so-and-so and I'd buy it. The big challenge for me is I'll hide it in the closet knowing I'll remember exactly where that was, even though it's now March. I'm going to remember where this is in November, right? No. Not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> that can be a big problem. But I do like the Christmas shop through the year. I do have a good time with it because to me, it's more Christmassy when you do that than if you wait until the last minute and then go, oh, no, I've got to get something for so-and-so. Kind of destroys the spirit of the holiday. So yeah. that's a very long answer to a very simple question. It, you know, it really, I mean, it. I expect the long answers um, and I, I enjoy the long answers. I have absolutely horrendous working memory, um, which I learned um, last year, I believe it was, when I was diagnosed with ADHD, 
And before I received my official diagnosis, because I am in my 40s, I um, knew it could potentially be more difficult to be diagnosed with ADHD, but I knew something was up. So I, in true ADHD fashion, I go down the research rabbit hole. I find a podcast where the the host has ADHD and she talks about um, specifically ADHD in women. And so I listened to her podcast for a long time and um, went, you know, just searching for all of the traits of ADHD and finding which ones I had and finding which ones I didn't have and, you know, all of that. So I went armed uh, to my first appointment with my psychiatrist. And one of the things that I learned is horrible working memory. Um, And so I can put things in a place where perfectly safe. And yeah, I'm going to remember where that is. You know, if I need it in six months, I'll, I'll totally remember where I put it to keep it safe. Three days later, I end up needing that item and cannot find it to save my life. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds so familiar. I honestly wonder, though, who is not ADHD these days? Think about it. We're constantly being bombarded with information. There's not enough hours in the day to do everything you want to do creatively. Well, the the thing with ADHD is, um, in, in my case particularly, because it's Um, It is a neurodivergent spectrum uh, similar to autism. So it's not going to show up the same in in everybody. But in my particular case, I I don't have physical hyperactivity. Um, I I don't sit and bounce in my seat. Um, I do fidget, um, but I don't um, you know, when you think of ADHD, you think of the the little eight-year-old boy in, in class who's like running around the classroom, can't sit still, is constantly bouncing his legs. Um, but if you take that image of that little boy sitting in class and put him in my head, that is what my brain looks like. Um, my, my brain is constantly going. So when, before I was, um, medicated to slow my brain down, I could sit in a silent room, no TV going, no music in my headphones going, simply me and my laptop in a silent room. And I would feel like I had 50 billion tabs in my brain open. Because I would sit there going, I wonder what so-and-so is doing on Twitter. I should check my email. I should go, you know, I should, really should proofread this book. You know, I know I should edit this book over here. No, I should go see what everybody's doing on Twitter. I should go check my email. It was constant. And it would not stop. And so while I get what you mean about everybody you know, people are bombarded with, you know, a constant attention seeking social media, email, TV, movies. Um, it's it's different for someone with ADHD because we still have that issue with attention, even when there's nothing to steal our attention. If that makes if that makes sense. Yeah. It's it's very strange and um can be extremely frustrating, um, especially in my case when, you know, I I have a, a small business that requires 
me being able to pay attention to something for longer than five seconds at a time. You know, when I'm sitting editing or proofreading a book, I have to be able to focus on that book. When I'm sitting trying to write a blog post, I have to be able to concentrate on that blog post. When I'm recording a podcast, I have to be able to pay attention to my guests. And it was, you know, before I went on medication, it was a huge struggle. Um, you know, I would be recording a podcast with somebody. And if you go pre, pre-medication podcast episodes, um, you would, you'll hear at least once per episode me lose my train of thought literally in the middle of a word. And I, and all of a sudden I'd be like, I, I lost it. I have no idea what I was trying to say. (laughs) So it's, yeah, so it's, it's a struggle, but, um, medication is, has really, really helped me and, um, is, it was an absolute godsend. I, I was so happy when I could feel my brain slow down. It was great. Uh, I completely apologize to you because I didn't mean to be making light of it. You hear people use the term ADHD the way I just did, but I think I said that without really knowing what it is. So thank you for the clarification. Uh, Yeah, no problem. I, you know, I, I I was not offended um, at all because my, um, I took psychology in college. Um, I have my associate's degree in psychology and when I took my abnormal psych class, the one of the first thing that um, our professor told us was do not self-diagnose because it is so easy to self-diagnose. And, you know, because we all, you could take the, the homeless dude off the street that you know, has no self-awareness at all whatsoever. And you could start reading some of the symptoms from the DSM and he'd be like, yeah, I have that. Yeah, I have that. Yeah, I have that. And then all of a sudden he's being diagnosed with manic depression, bipolar, borderline personality disorder. And, you know, he, he may not have any of those things because the, the difference between normal everyday ADHD um, that we all have because we are bombarded with things that try to steal our attention and someone with, you know, diagnosable ADHD is the level at which it affects their life. Um, So, you know, for someone like me, it was affecting my life. It was, it was making everyday life extremely difficult. It was making conversations difficult. It was making my work difficult. Um, so there, there is a difference, but at the same time, I completely understand what you meant because pretty much everybody in the world is going to have some level of ADHD just from everyday life. But not everybody is going to have ADHD to the level that it affects their life. If that, does that make sense? Completely. And we do bandy that term around a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I I hear it a lot. And, um, you know, it's, I just kind of, 
I just kind of take it with a grain of salt, I guess, when somebody says, you know, yeah, I just have ADHD today. Um, because it's, yeah, you, you, you might today, and then tomorrow you'll be fine. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's just, um, you know, understanding the, the difference between just normal everyday ADHD um, that we, that we all struggle with, um, and someone with diagnosable ADHD. <clears throat> uh, okay, so now, now that I've, let me get off my soapbox, um, and we will move on to some book recommendations, um, because, and I also want to talk about uh, the podcast that you uh, produce as well, um, for sure. Um, but what are, what have you been reading lately and what do you think, um, the listeners would enjoy? Well, I have been reading of all things, a young adult book by Jenny Han, Summer is Not the Same Without You, which is very sensitively done. She takes you inside the head of a 13 year old girl and talks about what loss and growing up as a teenager who's just experienced the death of somebody who's really close to her, sounds very dark, but she manages to make it something that's really interesting. I also have been reading Lisa C's Dreams of Joy, which I just finished, and she has this incredible gift for bringing to life a period of time, in this particular instance, Mao Zedong's Red China in the 1950s and what it was like to live on one of the communes there. Thank goodness neither you nor I had that experience. That's what I've been reading recently. I'm trying to think of anything else recently that your listeners would like, although I'm embarrassed to say with all the extra work, I haven't been reading half as much as I would like to be. But those have been the ones that stand out when you ask me that. Okay. Um, so what, have you read anything we'll say in the past year since we are recording on saint patrick's day um have you read anything either set in ireland with irish characters or written by an irish author how funny that you would ask that you can't see me but i'm sitting here with patrick taylor's an irish country christmas here so i wanted to be sure and mention that okay you. <laughs> My husband gave me this as a Christmas gift, and it's an entire series happening oh. in Northern Ireland in the 1960s, which would mean, of course, some of the things going on as far as the strife of Belfast and things of that nature. And it follows the life of a young doctor who's just becoming a doctor and just working with the local village and what happens with him. I do not really want to spoil it, but I fell in love with the characters and was really interested. There's a whole series. So the Irish Country Christmas was the first one I read, but then there were quite a few other ones, a sequel to it, following the characters, what happens to each of them. Just a really great series. Okay. Um, the All of the books that um, we have mentioned so far in this series, I would love to add them to the show notes. Um, so if I need to, I will uh, go through the transcription and um, send you a list of the books that you've mentioned so that we can get um, links to those. Great. Um, 
And um, if you can think of them, um, you can shoot me a DM in Twitter or something and just um, list those as well uh, so that I can get them in the show notes for everybody and send links. Um, so that is an Irish country Christmas and it is a series. What is the name of the series? Actually, is there a series name? It's usually an Irish country, and then you'll see an Irish country doctor, an Irish country village, things of that name. Okay. Of that so rather. Okay. So probably something like the Irish country series or, or something like that. Yes. I don't specifically okay. see a name of the series here, but they're all by Patrick Taylor. Patrick Taylor. Okay. I will um, I will get those in the in the show notes as well uh, for everybody. Um, so happy St. Patrick's Day. Um, I I am sitting here and I suddenly had the thought that um, I'm not wearing green. But then I remember. <laughs> well, but then I remembered that I um, have two green shamrock tattoos. So I am, I'm doubly covered uh, for, for St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> I'm not being a good Irish American this morning because I'm not wearing anything green. I should have been. I, yeah, I used to have a boss that um, told me that my, my green shamrock tattoos did not count um, for, for wearing green on St. Patrick's Day. I beg to differ. They are literally part of my body. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I'm covered and they're shamrocks. Um, and one has the Chinese symbol for lucky in the middle of it. So I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty well covered for, for St. Patrick's day. Um, what, um, what is one of your favorite things about St. Patrick's day since we are recording on the holiday? I would think simply the pride of being Irish because my background is English, Irish, and Scottish. And let's just say that I'm very proud of my ancestors. I, I definitely agree. Um, I am um, Irish, English, German. So um, I, it's funny because I tell people the the smallest part of my heritage, which is Irish, I'm like one, I think I'm like one thirty second Irish, um, like very very small part of my heritage is Irish, but it's the biggest part of my personality. Um, I I have the um, the Irish temper, which um, from and any of my my Irish friends, please tell me if this is incorrect or not. But I I tend to blow up quickly, but then I get over it quickly. It it doesn't. I don't stay mad. Um, but um, so I'm not sure if that is an Irish stereotype that is incorrect. But it's um the one that fits me pretty well. Um, I have the, the red hair for sure. And, um, so I, but it's, but I'm only one thirty second Irish, but I, I tend to accept that as just like the biggest part of myself and the part that I'm most proud of, um, is, is being Irish. And so it's, you know, I, I love, I might have to check out those, those Irish country books. Um, 
because I, I pretty well love anything that's Irish or British. Um, and so that part of the country is just my favorite part. And I want to visit Ireland and I want to visit London um, before I die. So we'll we'll see how that works. <laughs> have you been to Ireland before? I have not been to Ireland. Um, I have been to Guatemala and I've been to Sweden. Um, but no, I have not been to Ireland yet and I have not been to England yet. Um, so I... I am excited to um, to one day go. Um, I have a bunch of friends from Twitter from that part of the world, and I would love to be able to go and just hang out with them in person and um, get the get the resident tour rather than the tourist tour. <laughs> like me when I travel, because yeah, that's you what would. I like to do too. I've never seen kinder people in my life than folks in Ireland. I had the pleasure of traveling there years ago when I was in college. <clears throat> I, I had that same experience when I went to um, Guatemala. Um, I was 10. Um, we had, my church had gone there on a missions trip. And the we were there for a week. And our entire group um, was, I mean, part of it, I think, was probably because we were just exhausted um, from the from the week of nonstop go. But we sat on the plane and we bawled. We we cried because none of us wanted to go home. We all wanted to just stay. Um, and you know, it was we had gone in March, and so it was um, you know that close to the equator. It was like summer, like it was very, very warm and very tropical. And it was just a, it was a beautiful country. And the people were just beautiful. I mean, they were, they were so sweet and they were just, just absolutely wonderful people. And we had such a great time that week that we just didn't want to go home. And my mom was really mad because I got off the plane. And first thing I said to her was, I didn't want to come home. <laughs> <laughs> she was not happy about that. <laughs> but, um, you know, so, yeah, I, I completely get it about getting to go to another country and just having that wonderful experience. And, you know, even if you don't have a, a wonderful experience, at least having that experience. Um, okay. What were you going to say? Well, actually, I was simply agreeing, nodding my head. I did have a less than wonderful experience when I went to Rio de Janeiro a number of years ago. And I'm thinking, well, at least I got to see it. Anybody going to Rio de Janeiro, be sure you don't go to the beach with your purse or any valuables. You will get robbed. Yeah, I, um, my... I went with a um, pool team, a billiards pool team, to Vegas a few years ago in 2013, 10 years, whoa, 10 years ago. Um, yeah. And uh, we were told uh, the same thing. Don't walk down the street with um, your your valuables like in a purse. Uh, keep them close by um, because you will get pickpocketed. Um, but that was like the only negative thing that we were really told about um in vegas was just watch out for pickpockets um because other than that it was a blast it was i mean 
people talk about going to Vegas for the gambling. Um, I, I think I gambled like five dollars uh, the whole time that I was there. Um, but I left with so many great memories. So I mean, you do not have to gamble to go to Vegas and have a good time. It's just it's not required. But no, Absolutely. do not walk down the street with um, things out in the open because you know people will try to steal it from you. And in fact, I didn't know that about Vegas. I go, but I usually don't go for gambling. I go for CES and NAB conferences. And generally as a reporter, I'll have my camera around my neck, but you can bet that I'll have my purse pretty close to my body. I don't have a wallet. So it would be a little hard for people to pickpocket that, but that's a good cautionary tale. Yeah. And I, um, I didn't have um, anybody, um, try to steal anything from me either. Um, but I also didn't walk down the street with things obviously, you know, out in the open that, hey, I have cash in my pocket. Why don't you come try to pickpocket me? I didn't have any of that. I was very careful. Um, but yeah, other than that, Vegas is a blast. Um, so anybody who's uh, interested in going, uh, such such good time. Uh, definitely recommend it. Um, okay. So we've got a little bit left. Um, let's talk about the the two podcasts that you um, said that you produce and record. Uh, what's the first one about? Well, the first one is the one I believe you already know, Noelophile. And about October, I begin publishing episodes on my website, interviews with artists who are making things that might possibly be something our listeners want to listen want to find out about as far as maybe buying for Christmas gifts. I try to go with indie artists as much as I can. In the past, I was interviewing authors as well. Recently, it seems like Christmas books have slanted more towards romances. And while that's fine, I like more the kinds of books we were discussing before, either the non-traditional ones or the Christmas stories like they used to publish in Christmas magazines, as opposed to simply romances. Every once in a while, I'll break the mold and I will review one. I will do that. I'll also interview organizers of different events for Christmas. For example, the Sacramento Christmas Lights. They had this incredible show that gets put on every year in Sacramento that combines both the history of California and a visit from St. Nicholas. And I was able to interview the organizer of that a couple of years ago. So that's my first podcast. The one that I do pretty much year round is about creativity at the intersection of art and science. Being a total arts person myself, I try to see where do science, technology, engineering, and math fit into creativity. And the answer to that is pretty much everywhere. There's a science to art and an art to science. Consequently, I talk a lot to roboticists, VR creators. I've had a lot of VR people on recently, makers, a few space scientists, really kind of cool, unusual stuff, which has been a lifelong love for me as well. I, I might have to check that one out. Um, I, I am not, I would not consider myself a huge um, STEM fan simply because I don't math very well. <laughs> um, science was never my favorite subject in school. Um, I, when I took uh, physical science in college, 
uh, is one of my requirements. I struggled. Um, just it, it was such a struggle for me. Um, and math is the same way. I, I have just always struggled um, in math. If I when I was in high school, um, I tell people I would not have passed math in high school if I had not had the teachers that I had. Um, and, you know, I for algebra one and algebra two, I I had two of the most amazing teachers that I could have ever asked for. And I and it's so funny because. I, I am 41. Um, I turned 42 in July and I was 14 when I took algebra one. So we're talking, you know, 30 years, almost 30 years or so, um, 20, 26 years, maybe, um, between now and the time that I had this teacher and I still talk about him. He was that memorable. He, his name was Mr. Alexander, and he um, is easily retired, uh, possibly even dead by now, depending on how old he was when I had him. Um, but, and he was this short little mean man. Um, he, he was, he made girls cry. Um, and just because uh, he was mean. I mean, he he was not a nice man, but he was an excellent teacher. He was a I mean, he took he was so good at making things clear. And, you know, he had, um, you know, he would tell students, I am here at seven o'clock every morning. If you are having trouble in my class, and you are not here at seven in the morning to get help, that is your fault. I am here to help you. So if you need help, it is your responsibility to come in here and get help. And so there were mornings that I would get there at like 7.20 or so in the morning. Class didn't start till 7.50, so I had that 30 minutes. I would go in and like double check my homework with him. I would go in if I was having trouble with any particular um, of the homework questions, I would go in and get his get his help with them. Um, and, you know, so I, I took it very seriously that, you know, if I needed help, if he was there to help, I'd, I'd go in and get help. Um, so back to the original statement, um, I, I think that my struggling in those subjects is why I don't really pay much attention to, to the STEM um, areas. Um, I'm very much words. Um, I'm very much um, audio, visual, um, but I love creativity. So I, I think the, the fact that your podcast uh, hinges a around how creativity and how science and mathematics and, and those things work together um, to to make beautiful things. I, I think that's wonderful. I would have to tell you that I don't really do STEM. I do STEAM because just like you, I struggled with math. 
And if I'd had a mean teacher, even if he said, I'm going to be here at three in the morning, I probably wouldn't have gone to see him because mean turns me off completely. But, and I admire you for going in to actually work with this guy and not being intimidated by him. Oh, no, I, I, I stood up to him several times because he, he tried to accuse me one day in front of the entire class of uh, chewing gum in his class. And okay, I looked at him and I, yeah, it was drinks, food, gum, like that, none of that was allowed in his class. And he accused me one day of chewing gum in his class. And I looked down, I was like, that wasn't me. I know it was you. I saw you. And I looked down, I was like, Mr. Alexander, I know better than to <laughs> chew gum in your class. That was not me. I don't know who you were thinking of, but it was not me. And I think the fact that I stood up to him impressed him. Because my relationship with him and my dynamic with him changed after that day. He was still mean, but he wasn't mean to me. So I think that was I think that was why I was able to work with him and why I was able to uh, to get the help that I needed because I had a different dynamic with him than the other students had. You stood so, up to him. I, yeah, I stood up to him. I, <laughs> I was not about to let somebody accuse me of doing something that I had not done. That's a huge trigger for me. I don't, mm -mm, don't do that. <laughs> I think coming back to our talking about STEM versus STEAM, the real key to understanding science, technology, engineering, or math, if you're an arts person, is what does this have to do with me? Like you, I struggled in college with science. Today, it cracks me up. People look at me and you can't see me, but I have these, I look like a science person, even though I'm not. I have very thick glasses. I look serious. I look stern. I'm not. But you could just see me in a lab coat if you didn't know me. And people think I'm a scientist. No, I'm not. I'm somebody that really had a good time with Shakespeare class. I really loved anything related to arts, music, creating stuff. And I was thrilled to get a D in my required science class in college because otherwise I would have had to have retaken the darn thing. <sighs> and I couldn't see what it had to do with me. Today, and this is something my podcast covers a lot, math can be related to design. It can also be related to public speaking, which I also do. Science can relate to what you do. You make those candles while you're doing some chemistry. There's a certain heat at which the math the, I cannot speak today, at which the wax is going to melt. Right. There's probably a certain heat at which you can get the colors into the wax. You would know more about this than I would. I don't know that. But I have done work with dichroic glass. And there are two different types of dichro glass that you don't want to mix because 96 COE and the other, I believe, is 92. I would have to check that. If you put them together, they're going to crack. You're going to get right down the side of your Christmas ornament. You do not want that. That's chemistry and science. Yeah. And it relates to what you create. Psychology, you said you majored in psychology. Well, that is a science in many ways, but it's science that relates to you. That's really the key right there. How does this relate to my world? That's what I say in my workshops. I also teach a Halloween maker workshop that incorporates some of these. And how does it relate to what you love to do? That's the thing I always like to explore. Yeah. Well, the, the podcast sounds like so much fun. Um, just, you know, because I love the creative part of it. And I think being able to, you know, 
because of my work in psychology and because of, you know, my love for motivation, um, I always love knowing people's reasons for things. Um, you know, my, my husband and I will be watching a, a TV show or, you know, we'll hear about, um, you know, a, a few months ago, um, it was a rather scary situation, but a few months ago, um, there was a, a man um, in the parking lot outside my mom's apartment uh, with a gun, shooting, just shooting the gun. Um, and he, he was yelling and screaming and um, ended up killing someone because of, um, because of that. And so I, um, you know, when I heard the, the story about that, my first thought was, okay, why was he doing that? Um, you know, yeah, it's really sad that he was, and yeah, it was really scary for my mom. Um, but once I, once I knew that my mom and my dad were okay, that was my question was why was this guy shooting the the gun? Why was he naked? Um, yes, yes, he, he was naked. It was very weird story. Um, but it was wanting to know that motivation behind what happened. And, you know, so I followed that story very closely because that was what I wanted to know. And, uh, you know, I found out that his, uh, I believe his girlfriend had broken up with him and he was um, having some mental health issues. He had um, uh, taken a, um, I believe it was, he was possible PCP. Um, and so there were just, there were a lot of motivating factors behind his actions. And cops aren't always um, trained to look for those things. They are just trained to see person with gun. Well, you know, he's going to jail. That's just how, you know. And so their motivation is safety of the people first and foremost and so they don't they don't look for those motivating factors behind somebody's actions um okay so i we've got about six minutes left or so where um do you have any last words for our listeners and where can people find you to come hang out online? First of all, I'd like to thank them for listening. And I can certainly suggest that they subscribe to my podcasts. My podcast over coffee is the one that I do most often. They can find me on twomavericks.com, spell that T-W-O-M-A-V-E-R-I-X. Noella File, really, I do several posts during the year and then starts to get a lot more active by about October 15th, noellafile.com. The other thing I'll suggest is any independent authors or crafters listening to this, hit me up, let me know if there's something that you are creating that's unusual that perhaps my listeners might like to know about. I don't guarantee that I'll feature everybody, but I certainly find folks online. I, for example, talked to one of the first women 
glass blowers I'd ever met in my life this past Christmas. And that was a really fun conversation. Well, I I will have to um, I'll have to shoot you an email and say, hey, um, I'm a creator. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, might might have to might have to request to come on your podcast too. Um, uh, just I I don't get to be a guest um, on podcasts very often um, because I have since I have my own. So um, I get really excited when I find a find a podcast that aligns with um, the type of things that I do. Um, so yeah, so I, I might have to might have to request um, that. Um, but definitely any authors um, hit up Noella file hit up dot um, let her know and uh, we'll see where that goes. Um, so what social medias are you on? <clears throat> yeah, I am on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Of course, I'm on LinkedIn. But on Twitter, you can find me on two handles, either Noella File or Over Coffee Buzz for my other main podcast. Facebook, Noella File, Over Coffee Podcast. And of course, LinkedIn, I'm Dot Cannon. And then the other thing I would add, if you, I may do a shameless plug, is I do a maker workshop. I called it Halloween in April last year, but it's pretty much Halloween year round. If that's of interest to people, shoot me an email. Okay, awesome. Um, well, thank you so much uh, for coming and chatting with me today. Um, we I normally record on Saturdays, um, but you were you were busy tomorrow, and so we we recorded a day early. Uh, this I know that I mentioned we are recording on St. Patrick's Day, but this will uh, post tomorrow. Uh, so once it does, I will be sure to tag you um, and let you know so that you can share. Um, I will get um, all of the book recommendations and uh, links to your socials and your podcasts. Um, put those in the show notes for everybody. Uh, the show notes link will be in the um, the notes for the episode. So if you are on Spotify or Apple or anything like that, the link will be in that description uh, for everybody. So. Um, again, thank you so much. This has been an absolute blast. Um, and I, I appreciate your coming in and chatting with me today. Thank you, Pamela. It's been a pleasure for me as well. I, I had to move into my bedroom uh, real quick because my husband got home from work and my cat is in here making all kinds of noise. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to start hearing, hearing things in the background. Um, it's my cat uh, not laying down and sleeping like he normally does. Um, while I record, uh, because I, I wasn't recording in here like I normally do. So um, if y'all hear that, I apologize. But um, it has been an absolute blast today talking uh, books and life and just all sorts of things with you. I hope plenty of people come and follow you and check out your podcasts. Um, and I will see you on Twitter. Thank you. Thanks, Dot. Have a great day. You too.